So this morning I'm asking you to help me solve a mystery. This is the actual process of the week, trying to figure out what in the world a deacon is. Now, those of you who have been going to church all your life, you're like, I already know what that is. But do you? Do you really? I want to take you on this tour because this is the journey I've been on this week and I've found myself really really confused about what this thing called a deacon is. And there's been several times this week <laughs> I've been in the presence of a deacon. I was next to Matt Michener and across from um, Mitchell. And down here was Teddy Hooten. And I was in the process of trying to figure out what a deacon is. And I kept staring at him like, what is that? What? That's Mitchell. What is a deacon? And Matt Michener and Teddy Hooten, and there were other times throughout the week I was like looking at some people who were actual deacons, and I, I kept going, what are you? Now, has anybody ever looked at Mitchell and said, what are you? Have you ever, anybody ever done that before? What is exactly a deacon? Uh, and so I'm just going to follow the path of the mystery. I'm going to give you all the evidence we've got and see if you see where I'm at. We are in 1 Timothy 3. Which admittedly, as the chapter ends, Paul says to Timothy, this is how I want the household of God structured. This is how the household is operated. In chapter 1, I've told you what I want you, Timothy, as the preacher at Ephesus to do. Chapter 2, I've told you men and you women what I'm asking of you in the church. Chapter 3, I've told you elders what I want you to do. And now he turns to this group called a deacon. But now listen, when you get to the elder, you kind of expect this. We're familiar with elders. Right after Paul and Barnabas start these churches, they go in reverse order back to the beginning and they place elders very early. They appoint elders very early in these churches. So we start hearing the word elder along with the church very early. And we see them working in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 15, very prominently, James the elder is working. And there are other places where we talk about elders. Mentioned two times, big lists of this is the qualifications for an elder. But when you turn to deacon, you don't have any such preparation. There's no place that talks about deacons. We aren't ready for them. We don't even know what they are. And yet, boom, here he comes. 1 Timothy chapter 3, these verses. Here's what you need to look for in a deacon. And I want to say, what do you mean by deacon? What is that? The Greek word for deacon is not even a translated word. It's a transliterated word. There's other times this has happened in the Scriptures. In fact, you shouldn't even know the word baptism at all. That should never have ever entered your vocabulary. It should have been a translated word, and every time you see the word baptism, the word immersion should be there. That's the real translation of that. But since King James was so Catholic in the background, all that stuff, all that stuff, they decided if we, if we translate it this way, they'll wonder why sprinkling's okay. Let's just transliterate it. Let's put an English word with a Greek letter, English letter with a Greek letter, and make it baptism so it's unclear enough that it allows for other forms. So you see, when something is transliterated, it's usually because we want to keep it a little unclear. The word deacon comes from the Greek word deacon. It's not translated at all. If it were translated... What it would say is this, servant. The word servant or serve often in the New Testament is the word deaconos, deacon. And people are serving 
all the time on every page of the New Testament. You've got people serving, deaconing, deaking. We call it what do deacons do? They deek. And you're like, well, what's that mean? They serve. It's just a servant role. But we didn't. They decided we want to, because, and I think this is the reason, there's just enough evidence that there was an official role of a deacon. Never described, but just all of a sudden comes on the scene here suddenly in 1 Timothy chapter 3. You have a place in Philippians chapter 1. It sounds like this. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, as he opens up this letter, he says, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. For the first time, we read this word as if, boy, that's an, that sounds like an official fully recognized function in the church more than just a person serving. That's the first time you see it, except maybe in the book of uh, Romans where you have Phoebe, who is a deacon of the church of Centria who's carrying the letter of the Romans to Rome. Uh, so you've got that role. And then that's the only two times you see it where you're like, this is more than just your average servant doing something out of the goodness of their heart. And then you get to 1 Timothy chapter 3. This is just confusing because no one ever tells us what in the world is a deacon. It just comes out of nowhere. And so I want to solve this. We have deacons at our church. We're going to meet them in just a few moments. But I want you to know kind of what they're about biblically, not just for our own understanding, right? So uh, there, there is a, we're going to have to turn somewhere else. We're going to have to look at something else to solve this dilemma. Otherwise, you've just got the term. Because in 1 Timothy chapter 3, here's the first piece of evidence. There's only two. The befuzzlement is this. Anyone in the church can and should serve, correct? Make me a servant, Lord, make me like you. We want everybody serving, Okay? So why do we have a certain designated group who are officially servants? Why do you have people serving and then you have servants? You come in the church, for those of you who come at 10 o'clock, and you've got, you've got Steve Wilson back there, you've got Tony Pearson, you've got William Gay, none of whom are deacons, but they are they're making sure the, the guys who serve in their capacities are here and they're telling them where they go and all that stuff, and they're functioning, they're serving the church, but they're not deacons. So what's the point of having designated people if you have anybody who can serve? Does this make sense? You have servants. I hope all of you are serving in various capacities in the church. We've got lots of them, and that's fine. But then you've got this certain class of people that have to have certain qualifications in order to be official servants. That's just confusing to me. What does it matter? Okay, the bus needs a new tire. Does it have to be a deacon do it, or can just Bubba go out and do it? And if Bubba goes out and does it, is it substandard tires? Is it not really the official bus? What, what's the deal with this? Why are there official deacons, and then there are people who can just serve whatever they want to? What's the difference between serving and being a deacon? plagued my mind all week trying to figure out what in the world makes a deacon a deacon. The first piece of evidence, 1 Timothy chapter 3, was read very ably just a moment ago. Has to be good conscience for sure. But the word for deacon is the only indication of the function. He's a servant. 
servant. Then in verse 13, as he closes out that section, he must serve well. And doing what? What is the deacon supposed to do? He's supposed to serve well to gain a good standing for himself in the church and before God. That's all that you know. The rest of it is about the description. And here's the interesting thing. Do you have to have all these qualifications to serve? Or do you just have to have these qualifications to serve as a deacon? What difference does it make, right? Well, there's certain things. Notice these deacons. This is interesting because you've taught this, been taught this all your life. They're doing physical service labor for the church. Here's the question. Why do they have to have all these high qualities in order to change the sink faucets? What difference does it make if they're married or manage their family well, or have a deep hold of the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. What difference does it make? I'm changing a tire. Does that make sense? You see the quandary here? It's weird. There's a certain quality of a person that's required to serve as a deacon that's not necessary to serve as a servant. What is this? I hope, you're, I hope it muddies the water some, because that's the way the week has been. The only way to resolve this and figure out what really this thing is about is to turn to another piece of evidence, not in 1 Timothy. And I, I don't know what the people in Ephesus thought, but what we're going to have to do is turn to Acts chapter 6. And I'm going to tell you right off the get-go, this is a little bit of a step removed because the word deacon, the word service, doesn't appear in this text at all. But we need a narrative. We need a narrative, and most people do say, that I talk to and I read, they do say this probably is the first instance of a deacon in the New Testament. It's a narrative, and so it helps us define this a little bit and make us understand what this deacon role is. Acts chapter 6. Again, the word doesn't appear, but we're going to consider these guys as deacons in Acts chapter 6. Verse 1, in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, the church was growing in leaps and bounds. A complaint, imagine that. The church is growing and going well, and somebody complains. Well, okay, here comes the complaint by the Hellenists, Greek-speaking. The, the Hellenists, those who speak Greek, arose uh, th this complaint because the Hebrew-speaking people, their widows um, uh, were treated better, right? The Hellenists made a complaint against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. The early church, one of their major works of the early church was take care of widows. Remember what James 1.27 says? Pure religion undefiled before God is to take care of the orphans and widows in their distress. The early church said that's a big function. 1 Timothy chapter 5, when we get there, it's a big chunk of what it takes to take care of widows. That is a central work of the church. And they were doing it. But suddenly this ethnic, racial problem developed. Those widows who were Hebrew-speaking they were the old school. They were the more faithful-looking people from the Old Testament standards, right? And they were treated better than the Greek-speaking widows. They were viewed as different language, different ethnic group, different, maybe theologically a little more progressive. They were treated less well. It was obvious to them, and they were complaining. So there was a problem that arose, and the thing was, this is important work, y'all. 
This is something very central to the mission of the church. This is stuff we should be doing, but it's not stuff that apostles should be doing. Apostles have a direct commission from Christ to witness about him and their teaching and their preaching and their praying. And so the elders, the apostles, I should say, the apostles recognize there's a problem and that it's important and critical to the mission of the church but not worthy of their attention because of the mission they have from Jesus. So, the twelve summoned the full number of disciples, all the believers who would come, and said, it is not right we give up the preaching of the word of God to serve tables, to oversee the feeding of people. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. And we will devote ourselves then to prayer and the ministry of the word. And the people were pleased with this suggestion. This sounds a lot like Jethro's advice to Moses in the Old Testament. You shouldn't be doing all this. And the, and the thing is, the apostles don't do it. They don't just say, we're going to designate people. And they don't come out and say, let's look for volunteers. I want you to picture how this might happen, though. You've got Hebrew women widows, Greek women widows, who are having a fuss. Have you ever seen women fuss? Anybody seen women fuss? Imagine the apostles going out and saying, I need volunteers to go solve the women fuss in the fellowship hall. How many would raise your hand to do it? Exactly. Crickets, right? Who's going to send me, send me to uh, 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 the club of cannibals in Canada and try to convert them? Send, I'll go. I'll go, but I won't go in that room if you have any brains at all. And they know this, right? So the, what the apostles decide is, we need a special kind of person. This work is absolutely critical to the mission of the church. We are not saying it's unimportant. We are saying it's not within what Jesus told us. And so we're going to designate a group of people. And here's the, quali- here's the parameters, right? They've got to be men. I don't know why that was a quality. You ask me, I send a woman in that room. Anybody else? Is that, I said, yeah, Gary James, amen. He's lived 80 years. He knows the truth. Send a woman in that room. No, we're going to send a man in that room. He's got to be full of the Holy Spirit, which means only God can solve this woman's problem. Right? He better be led by God because otherwise he will be dead by three. Anybody? Yes, right? So he's got to have the Holy Spirit and he's got to have wisdom. He's got to have some, this ability to finesse the things, right? So we gotta, we, we're not just going to just pick anybody. It's got to be somebody in particular. Now, what's interesting is, this is there's a lot of things in 1 Timothy 3 not here. Are they married? We don't know. Do they have kids? We don't know. We don't know all that other stuff. But what they determined was, here's the qualifications. You pick them, but we decide the parameters, and the people went out, and they picked them. And notice the names. They're all listed there in, in verses 5 and 6. And all of them are Greek-speaking names. Very wisely, they decided, since the Hebrew people are well-represented, these people we're going to choose to solve this dilemma are going to be Greek-speaking men. Bravo. That's some wisdom right there. And they picked these guys. They didn't just pick them. Describe them as men full of faith. These people, I mean, this is, this is not, I mean, uh, these guys, some people call them the forerunners of elders rather than deacons, and I can see it. 
Uh, but these guys are special category of people, and they're going to do some special work. And, and notice what the apostles do with them. Uh, they sent them before the apostles, and the apostles prayed and laid their hands on them. There's a couple of things this laying on of hands does for them. In the sight of the entire community, the elders invest them with all the authority needed to carry out this role. We're going to give you the authority. We're going to give you the power to do it. And boy, did they. We're going to give you, and we're, we want all the church, we want everybody in here to recognize that when they act, they're acting with the full backing of this eldership. This is, an, this is apostleship. They, they are ambassadors, so their words are equal to ours. We want you to know they have our full confidence and they have the full authority to do this. This is not like taking a couple people and saying, hey, we're going to put you over this. And that. No, no, this, this requires the full awareness of everyone and also the power. Notice, they got the power, all right. Stephen stoned them. Now listen, we don't want our deacons stoned. Did you all get that? We don't want our deacons stoned. They didn't get that in the early service either. I thought that was really good. I worked on that all week and it got nothing. We don't want our deacons to experience that, but you notice Stephen dies the next chapter, right? A couple chapters. Yeah, the next chapter. And then, and then you see Philip doing some amazing things. Those guys were deacons first. And this kind of empowerment they got carried them even further than that. And it's interesting, but, but the idea is this. So, this is the narrative. This is what it looks like. This is how they came to be. And they turn the responsibility over to these guys. The apostles go back to teaching, preaching, and praying. They don't micromanage those guys. They have full confidence in them, and they let them do their job exactly as the elders, as the apostles defined it, given that full authority and official capacity. So my befuddlement, if I'm going to take 1 Timothy 3, and I'm going to add Acts chapter 6, here's some practical conclusions I would result from that, Right? There's a whole lot to, uh, uh, of serving going on other than what the deacons do in the church. Would you say that's true? Lots of serving going on at Valley View that isn't done by deacons. Don't go, don't go since they got deacons, that's, they've got all the servants they need. That's not true. We are all called to serve. You read Acts chapter 2 through 5 and you see people doing all sorts of things. You have the Spirit of God. You have the Scriptures. You serve. You don't even need to talk to the elders about it. Serve. Serve in your life. Serve in the church. Serve your family. Serve the world. We need a church full of servants. If we, if we had a list of how many people at Valley View served in some capacity, it would be a long list and we would miss somebody. There's a lot of serving going on here at Valley View, and should be. But, when the elders, who are the spiritual leads here, we don't have apostles anymore, we have scripture serving as their role, but we have, a, we have elders, and when the elders tend to their job, their job is the spiritual oversight of you. Your growth, your maturity, injury, weaknesses, they tend to that. But when something comes up that would distract them from that, 
Something comes up that's important. Listen, this is not unimportant. It's not like, well, some things are important and some things aren't. No, there are some things that would come to their attention that are important and need the attention, the official attention of the church, but not within the realm of the elders themselves. They then decide, we've got to put somebody on this because this is significant. This is central to our mission. We sometimes compartmentalize things. This is a physical thing, and this is a spiritual thing. And it's not true. Not really. I, I, was, I was a little flippant, and probably too much so, talking about the, the, the tires on the bus or the windshield wipers or whatever. Is care of the bus a physical thing or a spiritual thing, church? It's both. That's how some of our people that we value very highly, that's how they get to worship service and be able to have the fellowship of the church. That's got to be taken care of. And the elders don't need to mess with the bus. But the bus is important to what we do. What do you do about that? Well, you can put volunteers over it if you want to, and that's a valid thing. But sometimes it's so important and it's so critical that they say, we don't just want somebody to volunteer who might be here, might not be. We want to put somebody over this with a spiritual maturity who knows this is important. It's not just a bus. It's not just a vehicle. We want somebody who has that spiritual conviction, that conscience that was talked about earlier. It's like we don't have to convince the deacon to be here on Sunday. We don't have to convince the deacon that the spiritual life is important. They need to be at Bible class. We don't need to be constantly harassing deacons to be present. We are beyond that. By the time you're in that role, this is so deeply ingrained in you, it's part of your character, and you consider it part of your mission. You consider it part of your devotion to God, and it's regular, and if something comes up that is in your field of a deacon, listen, whatever other commitment you got, this comes very clearly first. We don't jump churches without saying we're leaving. You wouldn't quit your job without saying you're leaving. This is more important than I just signed on to do this for a week or two. This is your obligation. And there's a spiritual maturity that is required for somebody to consider this my devotion. And I'm going to be here. And no one has to say to me that there was ice last night. And so who, what's going to take care of the parking lot? Our building and grounds people know this already. It's considered part of their walk with God. And they're up here. And they were too weeks ago i'm gonna applaud them in a minute i appreciate the others who came up to help them and by the way deacons can call on anybody they want to to help them but it's this sense they've got this maturity that says this is my role this is my devotion to god and to that church and the elders say it in front of everybody listen clinton dials and and brian gibson and teddy hooten are the bus people and listen to it. Don't come to an elder with a bus question. And you say, well, I'm, I came to the elders with a bus question, and they didn't have any idea. What kind of ship are they running? They're doing it right. They shouldn't have a clue about the buses. They put deacons over that. You got a bus question? Go to the bus deacon. Even the elders don't know what you're talking about. Until somebody comes and steals something off the bus, and the elders have to have some kind of word about it. Then we have to do something. And Teddy Hooten has to come get the video and all that stuff. That's the difference. 
That's why deacons are important. It's not that they're the only ones who serve, and if I'm not a deacon, I'm not going to serve. And in fact, listen, you don't need the position to serve. Don't think you have to have the position to serve. There's a lot of people that serve, and then they got this position that goes to their head, and they just become useless. It's unbelievable how that can happen. But if you do have the position, it's an indication we've seen spiritual maturity in you. You've been tested, according to the passage. And we see a maturity in you that you're going to carry this out, and we don't have to stand over you. We don't have to constantly applaud you or cheerlead you. You've got the maturity to carry this out without being micromanaged at all. That's what a deacon list is. A couple of things, just real quick before I introduce them. Just because we have men who meet the qualifications does not mean they should be made deacons. There's a lot of men in here that could meet this list of qualifications, but you know what? Whenever it comes, there, there, there's, there's not something that the elders have seen that needs to be done that requires a particular, your particular... It, you don't have to have that. I've known churches that anytime somebody became qualified according to that list they put them in as a deacon and they couldn't find anything for them to do which is bizarre that leads to the second thing the ideal is that you find people who are already doing something that's critical let me give you an example of some that i see coming in the future lads to leaders is this massive work the church does it's a program that we go tend to but it is huge here and it takes great oversight and we've got some good people over it, but it's getting bigger and bigger all the time. And we've discussed this. I've, I'll, I'll just share this. The elders have discussed this and just said, we've, we see this as big deal at Valley View. And we need some people who feel a sense of obligation and ownership of this. We need a, we need a, a couple, right? Because you're not just talking about the deacon. You're talking about deacon's wives, too. And so we need a couple who will take this and love this. I see that in the future, someone being designated as kind of like your lads to leaders deacon. I, I'm just kind of thinking out loud. Because it's so central and it's become problematic, it's become too big, and we're looking at it and saying we need somebody. Other than just a volunteer, and we need several volunteers, y'all. Just random volunteers just to make it run too. Everybody's important. And the idea of an ad hoc rogue deacon... Make him a deacon, and then we'll decide later on what he might do. Listen, if you don't have a job, you ain't a deacon. You don't have a job, central to the church, defined by the elders, recognized by the church, you ain't a deacon. Not really. We at Valley View are blessed with a number of these guys, and I want to introduce them to you. I say guys. Listen, I, I, I got shellacked by a couple of wives who said, I ain't coming up front. Um, and uh, I don't blame them. I don't like coming up. Well, I don't mind coming up front. But I, I understand I don't like coming up for that kind of stuff. So I've backed off. I'm a wimp. I will not fight that battle. I will not die on that hill. I will not die on that hill. So we've got a picture of the deacons and their families. But I, I, we have several present. We had some that came to early service because they didn't want to do this. And I'm cool with that. That's all right. We also had a family, Brian Gibson says... I don't like coming to regular service. I like the early service. But you asked me to come to the... That's a deacon. That's a deacon. You asked me to come here, and I'm going to do it. So here he is with his family for the second week in a row to regular service. I'm going to introduce you to these people, tell you what their jobs are. And I'm going to tell you, when I tell you what their jobs are, when you have a question or a complaint or a suggestion in those areas, they're the people you go to. Bypass the elders, okay? Bypass the elders, go straight to that deacon. That's how it's supposed to work. And these guys do a great job, and I want you to know them. So if I call and the guy comes up and his wife wants to stay in the, 
and his wife and family want to stay in the pews, stay in the pews. Don't come up. Don't feel obligated to do that. But if you're all here, we're going to stare at you like a hole through you, right? No. Just come up here. I want, at the end, when everybody's up here, I want you to be able to applaud these guys because I'm going to tell you, can I tell you the nature of the deacon thing? The nature is you never really see them do it. If the sound guy, and by the way, I like this, deacons are supposed to be sound. And our soundest deacon is Paul Thornton, don't you think? Right? That was funny. Anyway, so he's not here. He was, <laughs> he's not here. When they get up here at the conclusion, I'm just going to ask you to give them applause because they do a great job behind the scenes. You never see them. Uh, but they are so important. They are so significant. It, without them, the elders couldn't eld. They couldn't really do it. And they'd be distracted by all this stuff. And they serve you. These are your official servants. So make your way up here when I introduce you. Ryan and Casey Altum, um, their roles seem to expand every week, but they are lads to leaders, uh, hours and hours behind that program, but also now they are a big part of the college effort. They are life, they are vitality, they are personality, and we are blessed to have them, so the Altums. Uh, David and Suzanne Benson, uh, they, are, they were in the early service. And I'm, I said they were, didn't want to come up. For, that's not really true. They had to go somewhere. I just want you to know I appreciate them. They're transitioning. They were worship helper things in the day before COVID, back when we needed worship helpers more. Now they're going to transition to new member uh, uh, work, uh, assimilation into the church as we get that worked out post-COVID. Jason and Nicole Brewer, uh, one of the uh, – they are – some influencers in the youth program, especially with youth education. Uh, if you have a complaint about uh, Michael Deese, right? No one complains about Michael Deese. Go through Jason because he's kind of like the youth guy, one of them. They do a great job. Appreciate that. Gary and Kathy Buck. Are they here? He, Gary, okay. I don't need to introduce him really. Um, Except because he's he's kind of he keeps up with mission stuff, but he leads that missions midi, uh, committee meeting every single month, which is kind of an ongoing thing. Lets us know what's going on in the mission stuff. But he is our mission guy, and I appreciate that he's behind this mission Sunday as well. I'm grateful for what Gary does. Cameron and Tara Campbell, uh, Jonesboro area missions. Where are you? What? They're in Colorado. Okay, well. They got far away. They, they really took a good excuse. Part of JAM, Jonesboro Area Missions, he is kind of like secretive about being able to get food supplies for like Pack-A-Sack and some tools for school stuff. I think he's got some connections with the mob that he is able, but he sanctifies it by doing it for the church, so we appreciate that. Clinton and Heather Dials, grateful for them. I pick on him all the time, and so I probably say too much about him. Helps to maintain and operate the buses. He's here in the middle of the day sometimes, checking gas stuff and whether we still have a catalytic converter or not. Um, and, and he's also part of the group that reports the bus when it's stolen, when it's not. So, and it, it, but he just, he, <clears throat> he just wants you to know the bus is important when he does that. Mitchell and Lori Fitz. And again, I put the, the picture of the whole family because... Qualifications discuss family members too. Financial deacon is probably what his official term is. Um, and he does a great job with that, sending out the W-2s every year, all that stuff, but he leads singing. Also, um, the college work. 
that has, I don't know that that was, um, I don't know that was a need until he stepped into it. And then it became a need and it became a deacon thing. That's how it works, y'all, because now it's so central, I just can't picture Valley View without the college. Thank you, college people, but uh, Mitchell's part of that. Uh, Brian and Christina Gibson, who he would much rather be done with worship already and be, you know, home or And Alexandra came. Uh, and your kids are a big part of this. So I, I, I appreciate um, the way that, that uh, these guys raise their kids, and she's top-notch for sure. He is a bus driver, uh, oversees cares of the buses. There's two or three that do that, but he's also the building and grounds guy. So if he'd come up here last Saturday, you'd see him on, I don't know what he, he told me he was on something. I know it was John Deere probably, but uh, other than that, I don't know what the equipment was, but he does a great job, and you never, you never have to tell him anything. He just does it. Randall and Dina Hooten. He's MacGyver. He's our MacGyver. Him and Pat Michener are MacGyver here. Uh, the bus guy, uh, the liaison to the police whenever there is something that, that is stolen or something. And um, they are both the face. Uh, they're just servants in every way uh, at Valley View. John and Casey Leblong. I don't believe I saw them earlier. Uh, point man for the blankets for the hospice effort and also going to join with uh, some jam efforts and some money stuff, financial parts, pretty soon. John and Holly McKnight. I, I put a picture of them up there, but if I, if I tried to keep up to date, there would be another kid every week. Uh, yeah, she's got to, I understand. Um, it, it is hard to know what all, what all influences are, are out of him but, uh, and them. Lads to Leaders, FBI Youth Program, also men's group that meets here. Uh, his, he just wants to be involved in a lot of things, and he's a great influence here. Roger and Leslie McMillan, he told me he was at the, he's going to have to work at the hospital today, and he said, Children's Bible Hour and Youth Education. He got a great stuff up. He says, listen, he just sent me an email saying, it really should be Risa up here and Katie, right? And I understand what they're saying, but, you know, there's, there's work over that, and there's some preparation for that, and I'm grateful that he oversees that, and then he puts the right people. One of the smartest things deacons do is put the right people doing the right things in their area, and so he does that. Matt and Haley Michener, part of JAM uh, in identifying some local needs that would fit into evangelism, but also uh, there was a need, and this is kind of more recently, uh, the young professionals really need some attention and some focus, and he became part of that effort, and so we're grateful for that. And she is uh, leading singing for Ladies' Day in two weeks, which I think is really, really cool. Um, Pat and Debbie Michener, where are you? Again, another MacGyver. He jury-rigs stuff all over this building. If we call any real, real technically accurate uh, repair people here that have no idea how anything runs in this building because of the way he's done it. Building and grounds, and I, here's how I described it in the early service, and those around the building will like this. There's some kind of weird thing goes on at the building we don't understand, and we call him, and he figures it out, and then he comes to our office, and he explains how he did it, and for three hours we are being told <laughs> how that happened, 
And when he leaves, we look at each other and say, I have no idea what he just said. But worth a million bucks to this church. Uh, Mark and Leanne Morrow. Yes. Big part of Jam, uh, and now he's going to transition with David Benson somewhat to the new member, new member ministry at Valley View to incorporate people and help them to get adjusted to what Valley View, how it works and all that. Grateful for that work that's coming, but also for the work that he does with Jam. Matt and Carla Nix. Um, there's been different things in the past, but right now, well, it's the most obvious thing is what starts tonight. Small group effort that we think is very important. Elders are behind that. Church is behind that. And he's kind of the brainchild behind all that, makes that run. But also a lot of the education stuff. He got a couple of good permanent classes going here. It's a real blessing to this church. We're grateful for both of them. John and Kelly Ross. Now, you've heard me say jam several times, and there are several of these deacons over that because it, there's multifaceted different things, but uh, John is especially uh, part of that in the tools for school effort. When, and, uh, like we were saying in the, the, the lesson, was um, when, when something is considered so important and we need to keep it going and keep the attention on it, there needs to be a deacon on it. Well, that tools for school works because of him. And that's one of his big things within Jam, but he works in other things too. Perry and Don Smith. What do you think of that picture? He said his wife had faith. But he didn't realize she was. Okay, a, a, a story of this picture. She doesn't like her picture made or shown. Perry knows that as a loving husband. He also says, I could have shown my one pack, but I decided to show this one. This is, uh, that's what he thinks of his wife. That's what he said. Isn't that sweet? That's sweet. If you think that settles Valentine's, you're mistaken. They, they are masterminds behind pulling off a lot of the fellowship efforts here, especially when it comes to serving foods and stuff in the building, but also the fall family retreat is a big deal. We consider it a programming tradition, and those two are behind that. We're grateful for that. Wiley and Amy St Stanley, she is not well, but he is here. Teaching youth classes, I think he may be the favorite teacher among our teens, and he's gutsy enough to go in that teen classroom on a regular basis, and he kind of oversees the youth ministry as kind of a youth deacon, so a lot of things fall into him. We're grateful for that. Paul and Kathy Thornton, neither one are here. Uh, he's in charge, of course, of the stand sound system and uh, the media efforts of this congregation. Uh, earlier, he, he didn't send a picture. We had to scramble and find one. He kind of wanted to keep it blank because that's just kind of the way he is. But anyway, Paul Thornton does a great job, and we're grateful for it. And finally, Charles and Cindy Whitaker. I know you're here. Bernie and Linda are no longer serving as deacons, um, and so our, um, our senior ministry is... It's kind of got a gap. There's another spot saying that the elders, the elders are going to recognize. But whenever that happens, whenever there's an event, Charles is the one who arranges the transportation and gets people from there to there. He's got, he's got of course, the ability to, to fix anything around your house, and so he's constantly at different people's houses taking care of some things, so those small jobs that need to be done. 
And we need a person like that. Grateful for all that. These are your deacons, and I hope that you will give them a round of applause for the work that they do. Before they take a seat, let's have a prayer together. Father, we are grateful for how you uh, organized your church so simply and you made it clear how you wanted it operated. We see the wisdom of what you do in the simplicity but also of the comprehensive way that your church is taken care of. Thank you for our elders here who are the overseers and they have a conscious effort to look after us spiritually. But Father, we are so mindful we're so mindful of what a deacon responsibility is and the need to have servants who, who consider it their job to take care of certain facets of family life. And these people standing here, the ones that are not here too, we, we ask your blessing upon them. We ask your spirit to move within them to, to make the connection between things that are physically necessary to be done but also that are spiritually so important and to consider it a mission to you. And Father, fill them with this sense of burden but this sense of blessing to carry out that burden. And I pray that you bless them and bless their families and help them in every way. Give them the strength to do what they need to do, the discernment to see what they need to see. And Father, just bless them for how they've blessed this church, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys may be seated. Thank you. So that's it. That's, uh, that's how God sets up the church. When he says uh, the household needs to be in order, and here's the structure of it. Preachers to present truth, like Timothy. We need elders to oversee the spiritual welfare of the church, to lead in those ways. And we need deacons. And that's it. The complication that a lot of denominational world gets into about hierarchies and all that stuff is human wisdom. This is God's simplicity. And here's what I'm saying to Valley View this morning. We've got the setup that God has for the household of God. We are striving to be the household of God right here at Valley View, this church on the hill. And we're ready and we're poised to be all that God wants us to be. All that remains now is for us to live it, is to us to do it. If there's anyone who needs to respond this morning, it needs to respond because you've never become part of the family of God. When you do that, you fall under the oversight of these elders who have a spiritual responsibility. And these servants become people who, who make sure that the things that are necessary for you to carry out your life here your walk of faith is here. This becomes your family, and we would love to be that. If you've done that, you've become a child of God and you're in the body of Christ, but you've never identified anywhere and said, I want to be part of this family and under this oversight, we'd love to do that. If there's anyone who needs to repent, now's the time to do it as we stand and as we sing.